God's riches at Christ's expense. Christ died on the cross for you and me. He died for our sins. This, this message uh, it may not be very long. I'm not sure. You know, you never can tell. I'll preach until I'm done uh, or until you're done, one of the two. We'll, I'll, I'll make sure of that. But as I was going through this, we'll finish, probably finish up chapter 8 next week. We're going to start in Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 26 this week. We should be hitting verses 26 through verse 30 if you're taking notes or you're putting your finger in your Bible or on your phone somewhere. Romans chapter 8, verse 26 through 30. And as I'm studying this and reading this and praying about this, I'm going, this, this in, in many ways could get a little, a little, uh, uh, a little intense as, as I'm reading this. And the thing is, when you read Romans and you're a part of Romans and you're studying Romans, if you're not a Christian, it's going to convict you. If you are a Christian, it's going to convict you. Conviction's not a bad thing. For some reason in the church today, we've got that conviction is a bad thing. We don't want people to feel convicted. We want them to feel good. But you want to know something? When you touch your hand to a hot burner, I want you to feel pain so that you'll take your hand off that hot burner. And it's the same way when it comes to our lives. I want you to understand, and I want people, the lost, to understand that there are consequences for our sin, and without the grace of God, God's riches at Christ's expense. And without the grace of God, you would be doomed to eternity in the lake of fire, which was made for Satan and his demons that went with him when they rebelled against the Lord. So let's jump in, Romans chapter 8, verse 26 there. It says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. He who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. You know, when we pray, one of the hardest things about prayer for most people is getting down and praying. Because we get down and it, maybe we have a list that we pray through, right? But you get to the end of that list and you're like, okay, I'm done. Now that list might take you five minutes, it might take you 15 minutes, it might take you a minute, depending on how, how long your list is. It might not take you very long. And we get to the end of that list and we're done. And so we're like, okay, God, what else? And then we get challenged. Maybe, maybe somebody, maybe the Lord challenges us. Pray longer. Spend time longer. We look at Jesus. Jesus spent time, a lot of time with the Lord. We look at we look at Paul, he spent a lot of time in prayer, and Peter spent a lot of time in prayer. These guys spent a lot of time talking to the Lord, and we look at that, and today we say, well, here's what we'll do. We'll drive down the road and pray, and I think that's a good thing. I think it's good for us to drive down the road and pray. I think it's good that, that we have uh, that kind of communication with the Father at all times. We can lay in our bed and pray, but then the question comes, well, what, what about stopping and praying? And, and that can be very difficult, and we're on Wednesday nights, we're, we're really getting through a teaching right now, started a teaching on prayer, really about just grabbing a hold of God and seeing what God can do if we just don't take no for an answer. And when we talk about that and we start saying about prayer and say, well, at, I just don't know what to pray about. I just don't know what to pray about. Well, first off, we need to let the Holy Spirit pray through us. We need to let the Holy Spirit pray through us. Sometimes we think too hard when the Holy Spirit already knows what you need to be praying about. And you go, well, I've got to be saying words. I've got to be saying something. You might not even have to say a thing. 
You might could just shut your mouth and just let the Holy Spirit minister into you, minister through you. He says that the Spirit himself intercedes with us with groanings too deep for words. Have you ever got to a point where you don't know what to do about something and it's just so deep inside of you that you literally would just could kneel over the side of the bed and just groan? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever went through that where you just kneel over and go, oh God, I, I went through some of those situations. I went some of those situations where I went into my closet and I pulled a chair out and I stuck it in my closet and I just went in there and I just shut the lights off. I didn't want no light. I didn't want nothing and just just bend over and didn't even know how to pray. But I was, but I had things in my, in my mind, in my life that I was dealing with that I needed prayer. It just go over and say, God, oh God, I need your help. I need you. Speak, God. Listen, I've got things that I've got on my heart and I don't even know how to pray about it. Maybe you've went through a sickness. Maybe you've went through a loss in your life and you're just like, I can't talk right now. But the Bible says that he, the Spirit himself, intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words when we don't know what we should pray for and what we should pray about. Now, one of the ways that that can happen is the Lord has given us a great, a great ability. If, you, if you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, that's something that you can pray for. It's not something that gets you to heaven. And I don't want you to be confused about that. That doesn't get you to heaven, but it's an opportunity to pray the Lord. When you don't know, you can allow the Holy Spirit to pray through you. And there's great, a lot of great uh, stories of how God has used people in that, things that they have prayed for that have happened later when they find out what, what exactly they were praying for and how God used that. That is one of the things that's there. He also says, he searches the hearts. He who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So he searches your heart. He searches your heart. God searches your heart. And he knows what the mind of the Spirit, he knows what the Spirit is saying. When the Spirit is is praying, when you don't know what to pray, God knows what he's saying. God's got that covered. You don't have to worry about it. Well, I don't know. I don't know what I'm praying. So what? God knows. We've had prayer warriors that have gotten up in the middle of the night and begin to pray and they don't know who they're praying for, but they're, they're praying with, with groanings and utterances of the Holy Spirit, and they're like, I don't know what I'm praying about, but God, you have burdened something. But you know what? The Spirit knows. The Spirit knows, and He is doing what needs to be done. God knows what is, being, what, what, what is needing to be prayed about at that point. We need to stop. It's real easy. It is real easy for us when it comes to prayer in our Christian life to put everything on ourselves as a human being and say, I could carry this myself. I could put this on my shoulder myself. I could figure this out myself. And sometimes we just need to let the Holy Spirit do it for us. You know, when we talk about different things, whether it's starting this church, maybe it was you moving into a house, uh, trying to buy a house or, or with your business or other things. So many times we let anxiety come in and we let other things come into our life. Instead, the Holy Spirit is saying, just let me I know what needs to happen. Maybe you don't know what needs to happen, but I know what needs to happen. And the Lord will listen to me. I am the Spirit. I am His Spirit. He will listen to me. He knows. And, and here's the thing. It says, He intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. When the Holy Spirit is praying through you, He is interceding for you according to God's will. 
You don't even have to worry about it. How many times do you pray, Lord, if it's, as long as it's your will? Well, you know what? If the Holy Spirit is praying through you, he's going to pray God's will. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to worry about asking for things. Maybe there's some things that you want, right? Maybe you really want something over here. Well, just you don't know how to pray about it. Well, just pray about it. And the, the, the will of God will happen because he is praying through you. The Holy Spirit is praying through you. We need to let go and let God. I've, I've got a sermon that I've preached before, and that's the name of the sermon, Let Go, Let God. Well, sometimes we just need to let go and let God. Whatever the situation that you're in today, let go and let God. Maybe you need to let somebody else pray for you. Let go and let God do that for you. Let the Holy Spirit pray for you. Let the Holy Spirit intercede for you when you don't. Let the Holy Spirit intercede for that person in your life that is hurting. Maybe it's a spouse or a child. Maybe it's a, a mother or a father. Let the Holy Spirit pray about those things. He knows what the will of God is, and he will, he will speak to him accordingly and intercede accordingly for, for you. So put down your thoughts and what you think needs to happen and let, let the Holy Spirit pray that for you. Romans uh, verse 28, chapter 8, verse 28 there. Let's hit that. We know, and, and you probably know this verse. A lot of us do. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son so that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. Those whom he called, he justified. Those whom he justified, he also glorified. We know that all things work together for good. All things. So you're praying, right? Let's put this in context. Remember, put it in context so you're not conned by the text. We know that all things. So he just was saying, he who searches, let me say something. The verses the, the, the reference numbers in your Bible, they were put in there by man, okay? So don't go, oh, I want to get my whole doctrine because verse number whatever says this. Sometimes you just need to take the verses out and read it all together and stop letting the verses confuse you. Verses are good, okay? It's not that they're evil. They're good. They help us memorize and know where stuff is. It helps us look it up. You know, wouldn't you hate it if I said, hey, everybody, I got a big book here. Could you turn over to Romans and uh, let me see, I'm, 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 you know where this area is in the Bible? So it's good to have verses so we can look those up quickly. But sometimes push those verses out of the way and make sure that you put in context so you're not conned by the text. So he said he's an interceding for the saints according to the will of God. So we know that all things work together for good. We know that all things work together for good. So if the Holy Spirit is interceding for you through you, and he is praying that way for you, and the will of God is going to be done because he knows the will of God, and he wouldn't pray anything otherwise, right? Then we know that all things work together for good. That's difficult. Have you ever run across something that you don't feel like it's very good? Maybe you lost some money, or maybe your, your job wasn't perfect, and you go, I wish this would have happened. This is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. I've done that before. You know what? And I've had to literally tell myself, hey, wait a minute. All things work together for good. What is my issue here? Why am I so upset about this? Why am I getting so flustered about this? 
Because I know that if I put it in, in God's hands, then I know that all things work together for good. You may need to do that in your life. Maybe you're going through something right now that you've got to say, man, this is horrible. But all, he didn't say some, all things work together for good. But then he says this, to those who love God. If you don't love God, all things don't work together for good. If you don't know God, if he's not inside your life, if Jesus hasn't saved you and sanctified you, all right, justified you, all things don't work together for good for those people. But for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. You love God, you're walking with God, all things work together for good. Oh man, you know, it's bad. You know, you had a car wreck. You know, you had some sickness or disease in your life or somebody you love. You could stand on God's word that all things, if that person loves the Lord, if that person that's going through that sickness, all things work together for good because they love God. For those, for those he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son so that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. So all things work together for good. So we are praying, all things are working together for good. And he says, so those he foreknew, he predestined. Did you know that God knows everything? That may seem surprising, but God knows everything. He is the beginning and the end. He is the alpha and the omega. That's the beginning and end. He's the alpha and omega, the beginning and the end. That's who God is. He knows what's going to happen before it happens. You go, well, I don't know if I believe that. Well, that's okay, because it's true. The scripture says, those he foreknew, those he already saw saved, those he foreknew, he predestined those people to be conformed to the image of his son. Can I say something to you? If you don't live like Jesus, then how can you call yourself a Christian? He said that those he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. People have taken this word and used it out of context. They've said, oh, well, he predestined people to be saved. No, that's not what he said. He says those that he foreknew, those that he has seen that got saved, he predestined them to act like his son, to look like his son, to be the image of his son. I am around so many people who say I am a Christian, which means I'm a Christ follower, and they don't act like Jesus. They don't look like Jesus. They don't sound like Jesus. Those he foreknew, he predestined. You don't have a choice. If you're a Christian, you should be acting like a Christian. That's the bottom line. I'm not judging you. That's what the Bible says. And so people who go around and say, I'm a Christian, but act like the devil, there's something wrong, you should look at their fruit and you should say, you know what? An apple tree doesn't bear pears. An apple tree has apples. A grape bush doesn't have peaches on it, okay? It doesn't happen. It's not possible. You gotta have that peach tree. Those he foreknew, those that he saw get saved, he predestined them to be conformed to the image of his son so that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Jesus is the firstborn among many brothers. I think this is where we mess up. We talked about this a little bit last week. This is where we get messed up, and we don't understand 
who we really are. See, we walk around down here thinking, well, you know, we're just Joe Blow. We're just Adam Levins, you know. We're just Sacks. You know, we're just whoever we are. We're just, just who we are. We're nobody special. If you're a Christian, you're an heirs and join heirs with Jesus Christ. And we need to act like it. And we need the church to act like it. And let me tell you something. I dropped, I dropped two drunk people off at their house a couple of weeks ago. And there was a, uh, the church that they went to was on the back of, of, their thing, of their car. And I left there and I says, you know what? This is what I'm going to tell everybody. As we go through, no matter how big we get, if you're going to go to this church, you're going to claim to be a part of this church, you're going to claim to be a Christian going to this church, you better act like Christ. Don't you go out there and act like the devil and put a sign on the back of your, your car to make everybody go, oh, well, they go to this church down here. They must be cool. They must be good. Everything must be good. You better act like Christ. If the Bible says not to be doing something, don't go out and be doing it and then saying, well, I've got grace. Because we know what Paul said, just because there's more sin and more, more grace abounds doesn't mean that we have the right to sin. We're not supposed to be sinning. We have been predestined to be conformed to look like Jesus. That's why in Antioch they were first called Christians. It's because they look like Christ. Oh man, this is who I envision Christ looking like. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever walked around and go, you know what? Man, I'm a brother to Jesus. That doesn't make you a God, don't get me wrong. There's been some incorrect teaching out there about that. But you ever thought about that? I'm a sister to Jesus. You ever thought about that? Maybe you'd walk around a little bit going, hmm, man. I am special. I am different. I am not of this world. I'm just passing through. It's just a time to pass it through, and the Lord's going to use me while I'm here on the way to grab a few more people and to put them on the bandwagon, and we're going to get to heaven together. Right? We are different. We are Christians. We are a brother to Christ. We have the same same inheritance. When we get to heaven, it's waiting there for us. It's waiting there for us. We can be assured of that. And we need to act like it. We need to act like it. If you had a million dollars, and you, if you had a million dollars because your brother was rich and you had all the kind of money, do you, you probably wouldn't just sit around a million dollars. You'd probably go out and you'd probably use it and you'd do things with it, right? You know, if your brother owned, a, a, if, you like, if you like motorcycles, and your other brother owned a huge motorcycle business, and, and he said, man, you've got the run of it. You know, if you want a motorcycle, just come tell me. You can have a motorcycle run. I've got a few of them back in the, in the shop here. You would probably do it if you like motorcycles. Whatever you like, it, if you have that kind of inheritance, if you have that kind of, of a, if you have that kind of a connection with somebody, you're going to use it. So when it comes to Christ, why don't we do it? Why don't we use that? Why don't we walk like that? Go, man, I'm a part of the king's family. I'm a part of the king's family. I am royalty, right? I, now, let me tell you something. Don't go walk up to somebody and tell them how good you, good you are, okay? But walk in that you are in royalty. Walk in the fact that God's doing something in you. It's just like Sax told the story about him and Elisa, and Elisa had a very negative a scan come back, and they're like, immediately, you got to go, and you're going to have to have all this stuff done, and they started to drive off, and he says, whoa, er, wait a minute, let's pray, 
And he reaches over and he touches her and he prays for her and God did a miracle in her life. Why? Because if we are royalty, if we walk with Jesus, if we are just like his son, we have access to the same things that Jesus has access to. I said it last week. His word said, Jesus said, these things that I have done and greater will you do. But in the church, we are walking in a different way. Oh, well, I can just barely stay saved because i got all these other things in my life going on, all these other things that I've got to do. Instead of going, no, I don't want to barely stay saved. I want to stay as close to Jesus as I can because I know what my reward's going to be. I know what's going to happen. I know the change in somebody's life. It's like I said last week. You know, when, when you're without Christ, you don't realize it. When you come to Christ... What does everybody say? Man, it feels like there's a load that's been lifted off of me. Has anybody, now listen, I got saved when I was young. I, I came to Christ. But has anybody, as you gotten older and you, and you were living in, in a way that wasn't right and you came to Christ, can you raise your hand with me and say, yeah, boy, it felt like a load lifted off of me. It just came right off the top of me. Man, something changed. I knew it was different. People go, well, what's different about it? You just got to experience it. I can't tell you you got to experience it because it's something that's inside that just comes off of you. And the feeling and the emotion that comes over you going, wow. Why? Because sin is a weight on us. Sin is something that drags us down. And so what do we do with that? We find ways of, find ways of making ourselves feel good. You want to know why that depression is such a bad thing in America, why it's so rampant in America right now? Because we're getting further and further away from the hope that we have in Jesus. America used to be the country that everybody ran to Jesus, and we're running away from Jesus. We're not seeing how close we can get. We're seeing how far we can get. And so what's happening is we're having to take drugs to alter our, 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 our state, to alter our brains so that we feel better. And some people don't take drugs, but some people, are, they're, on, they're drinking, or maybe they're taking illegal substances too, all right? Had some, had some people the other night, had some people the other night, doctors graduating out of med school, doctors that are already on antidepressants. That's a little scary that your doctor coming out of med school is on antidepressants. Seeing psychologists, they now have got they now have got all these videos. And let me tell you something: if you need to see a counselor, see a counselor. I counsel people, and I love counseling people. I'm not against that, okay? And if you have some things in your body where you need some medication, I'm not telling you don't take it, okay? But also, be diligent and find out maybe maybe there's something else going on in my life that's causing this. And this bottle over here of pills isn't what needs to fix it, okay? Be smart, but at the same time, don't just say, I've got to take this so it'll make me feel better, all right? But there are, there, there are people that are, they, they want to get drunk, they want to party, they want to do all this, but what happens when they wake up the next morning? It's the same life they just lived. There's no contentment, there's no peace, just turmoil and just torment in their heart. That is, that's the difference between a Christian that understands that they are heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. God is our Father. He is our Father. Why, is it, why did Jesus, Jesus was so cool, he says, how should we pray? He says, our Father. He didn't say, Lord, Jesus' is Father. 
No, Jesus said, no, say our father. Well, what was that? Jesus was standing right there. He's saying, it's just, it's just like me and Sax right here. And Sax says, how shall we pray? Say, I'm going to pretend I'm Jesus. I know I'm not, I'm not him, but okay. And Sax goes, how shall we pray, Jesus? And he goes, Sax, let's pray this way. Our father. Can you get that? Jesus said, our father. Not, not my father, our father. Who, who's in heaven? Now let's praise your name. That's the way we should walk. That's the way we should be. We, we should walk in that authority. You're going through things in your job. You're dealing with it. What did we just learn? Let the Holy Spirit pray through you about those things that you don't know what to pray about. And then let's start walking and going, hey, I'm royalty. I'm a son of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the beginning and the end. He knows where I'm headed. He knows where I'm going. He says, and those he predestined. All right, so those he predestined to be conformed to the image of God. Those he predestined to be conformed to the image of God. You become a Christian. If you're a Christian, you are predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Those he predestined, he also called. So if you're sitting in this, in this chair this morning, going, man, I, I feel pretty good, you know. I'm not, I don't need to do anything else. You know, I'll just sit in this chair. I don't, I, and I'll go home, and I'll read about No, says he also called them. Every one of us is called. There's a misconception in the church when we talk about preachers and ministry. There's a misconception that, oh, that's the people who call to ministry. You know who's called to the ministry? Everybody. Everybody. Our roles may be different. We are all called to the ministry. It's pretty easy, simple like this. You work, work in a job, okay? So Saks has got a big company that he runs, right? So people work for Saks, but they all work for that company. It's the same way with ministry. When we become a Christian, when we become a Christian, we are all called. We all have a responsibility. And if you think that you can just sit there, and there are a lot of people that are just going to church and sitting on the seat and then going home, and that's as far as, as their relationship with God goes, you are called. You are called. And he will justify you, he says. He also justified, and who he justified, he also glorified. You don't have to glorify yourself. You may die in this world, but you are glorified. He's got it taken control, taken care of. When you get to heaven, man, you're going to get to heaven. What did I say last week? Hey, let's, let's, be, let's be laying up our treasure in heaven. Oh, okay, you want a new motorcycle? You want a new car? You want a new house? There's nothing wrong with that. But then ask yourself, what am I doing for the Lord? What's happening? How am I financially doing? Okay, God's blessing me financially. Am I blessing my church financially to make sure the doors stay open and make sure the vision and the mission of that church is going? Am, am I praying like I suppose? Am I talking to people about the Lord? It's your responsibility. Listen, he didn't say, oh, everybody come to church and get saved. He said, go. I know I've said this before. I'll say it again. I'll say it as long as we have a church. Go. Go. No matter what location that we meet in, the door should be open for us to go out. See, we open the door for people to come to us. The door should be open for us to come out. Now, I'll tell you something. I'm not against nice signs. I'm not against these TV signs that they put up and they got all the announcements and everything. You know what I'm talking about? You drive down the road. You can't have one in Maumelle unless you're the city government. Everybody else can't have one. Only the city government can have a, one of those signs. But I was talking to Christy, and I see a lot of the medium-sized churches are putting these signs up. They're very expensive, and they look good, don't get me wrong. But they're putting these signs up, and I was driving by one of them the other day, and it had all the announcements on the outside. 
And I said, you know what that sign says to me? Come. You come here and you can get all this stuff. You come here and we're going to do this. We've got this going on, that going on, everything. And people go, well, people need to know. Well, that, I, I, don't, I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree that maybe there's some people. But how many people, let me ask you something, how many people are looking up that sign going, oh, Thursday night you're having a youth service? I'm, I'm going to show it up to that. I don't know anything about it. What is it about? Or is it about telling people to come or is it about us getting outside the doors of our church? And I'm not against, I'm not saying these churches are doing anything wrong. It's just something I think, I believe we need to be thinking about. If, if the way we talk to people is by a, a TV sign, can you even speak, a TV sign on the side of the road, if that's the way we talk to people, our church talks to people, there's something messed up about that. We need to go out and talk to people one-on-one. And then as we talk to them, and as you lead them to Christ, because you know you can do that. You're just, as, you're just as special as I am. You know that? You can lead people to Christ. And as you lead them to Christ, or you plant that seed, you are that seed, then you can say, hey, we've got a family of believers. We've got a family that loves people, that, love, that loves you. Oh, they don't know me. That's okay. That's okay. We want you to get to Jesus, and then we want you to, to be connected with us so that you can stay connected with a family. There's an old song that says, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain, cleansed by his blood. Join heirs with Jesus as we travel this far or however it goes. But I'm glad I'm a part of the family of God. And that's who we are. That's who we are as a family.